0: You're listening to the Study Legal English Podcast, the world's first legal English podcast, helping lawyers and law students become fluent in legal English. Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the Study Legal English Podcast. I am your host, Louise, and today's episode is all about the sentencing of criminal offences. In the past few episodes, we've looked at the criminal justice system of England and Wales, including the pre-trial process and the trial process itself. Now we are looking at sentencing, focusing on the sentencing of adults aged 21 and above in both the Magistrates' Court and the Crown Court. Sentencing is where the consequences for the defendant who is guilty of committing a crime are decided. So, who can be sentenced? Who passes sentence? What types of sentences are there? And what is the process for reaching a sentencing decision? Today, we'll be answering all of these questions. So, let's get started. Firstly, Who can be sentenced? Only a defendant who is convicted can be sentenced. This means that he or she must have been found guilty of committing a crime through the trial process or he or she has pleaded guilty to committing a crime at some point after being charged. If a defendant is acquitted, he or she cannot be sentenced. Secondly, who passes sentence? This depends on the type of offence committed and where the trial takes place. If the trial takes place in the magistrate's court, sentence is normally also passed by the magistrate's court, by either the magistrate's or the district judge. Equally, if the trial takes place in the Crown Court the sentencing will also take place in the Crown Court by the judge and not the jury. Additionally, the Magistrate's Court may commit the defendant to the Crown Court for sentencing if the sentence required is beyond the Magistrate's Court's sentencing powers. This means that the defendant will be sent to the Crown Court for sentencing. Thirdly, what types of sentences are there? There are four main types of sentences in England and Wales, including both custodial and non-custodial sentences. Let's consider these four main types. Firstly, at the most serious end of the scale, there are mandatory custodial sentences – such as life imprisonment for the indictable offence of murder. A custodial sentence means that the offender goes to prison, and of course, not all custodial sentences are for life imprisonment. The magistrate's court has the power to impose a prison sentence of up to 12 months, whereas the Crown Court can impose a life sentence. Secondly, for a range of offences, fines can be appropriate. A fine is the most common sentence and it means that the offender must pay money to the state. The level of the fine depends on how serious the offence is and for the more serious offences, the magistrate's court has the power to impose a fine of any amount, as does the Crown Court. Thirdly, another type of sentence, not to be confused with a community resolution, which I talked about in episode 66, is called a community sentence. This sentence can be given to anyone aged 16 or over. It is very flexible and can carry a range of requirements adapted to suit the crime committed. For example, it could require the offender to carry out between 40 to 300 hours of unpaid work over 12 months to benefit the local community. When carrying out the work, the offender must wear a high-visibility jacket that says Community Payback. The idea here is that the offender is paying back the community For the wrong committed. Another requirement of a community sentence could be a curfew. This could require the offender to stay in a specified place for up to 16 hours a day for up to 12 months, and the offender could have to wear an electronic tag to ensure the sentence is not breached. Other community sentence aspects could be a prohibition on foreign travel or a requirement to undergo treatments for a mental health illness or alcohol or drug abuse. Moving on, fourthly, another option for sentencing is an absolute or conditional discharge. This means that the court considers that punishment is not required. An absolute discharge means there is no punishment for the offence. However, this may be accompanied by a compensation order, ordering compensation to be paid by the offender to victims. Or it could be accompanied with disqualification from driving or an endorsement of the offender's driving licence. Now, an endorsement normally in general English means something positive. It means to support. Here, however, it means something quite negative. It means that something negative is recorded on the driver's licence. Another type of discharge is a conditional discharge. This means that there will be no punishment provided that certain conditions are met by the offender. For example, a condition that the defendant must not commit another offence within a set period of time. If this condition is breached, the offender may be re-sentenced for the original offence. So, those are the four main types of sentence. It is the task of the magistrates or judges to determine what type of sentence is appropriate, normally at a sentencing hearing. And here, they take into account a range of factors. So, what happens at a sentencing hearing, and when does it take place? Firstly, the sentencing may take place immediately after the trial or admission of guilt, or if the defendant has pleaded guilty or has been found guilty at trial, and if the court is considering a custodial sentence or community order, it may be necessary to adjourn the sentencing in order for a pre-sentence report to be made. A pre-sentence report is a document which helps the court decide the appropriate sentence for the offender. A probation officer meets and conducts interviews with the offender to ascertain the level of culpability of the offender and the risk of him or her reoffending, which is written up in the report. The probation officer may also give his or her opinion on the most appropriate community sentence for the offender. Once the report has been created, it will be presented to the court and the magistrates or judge may take it into account when sentencing. So, a sentencing hearing can be over in a matter of minutes, or, for more complicated cases, it can go on for much longer. The prosecution will open the case, summarising the case against the defendant if the court has not already heard any evidence, the prosecution can then present a range of information relevant to sentencing, such as victim statements, sentencing guidelines and reference to the defendant's antecedents. This means the previous convictions the offender has committed and any history of bad character. Following this, the defendant or the defence lawyer has the opportunity to present the defence plea in mitigation. This is where the defence gives reasons why the punishment should be less serious than it could potentially be. After this, the magistrate or judge may need to retire to consider the most appropriate sentence to give, or they may pass sentence right away. But How do they actually reach this decision? I'll be discussing this right after this short break. I'm interrupting the Study Legal English podcast for an important announcement. Do you want to get ahead in legal English? If you'd like to make faster progress with your legal English, you can sign up as a Podcast Pro member and get access to transcripts, quizzes and much more. You can track your learning progress and even earn course certificates. Take your legal English to the next level. Visit studylegalenglish.com forward slash podcast dash pro. Great. So, in England and Wales, some offences carry a fixed sentence which is set in legislation. However, in many cases, magistrates and judges have a lot of discretion when choosing the most appropriate sentence. To try to ensure consistency in sentencing for offences where the sentence is not fixed in law, there are a range of guidelines and principles which must be followed. For example, a starting point for courts is to consider the many purposes of sentencing. These are set out in the main piece of legislation governing sentencing in section 142 of the Criminal Justice Act 2003. Here it lists the purposes as the punishment of offenders, the reduction of crime the reform and rehabilitation of offenders, the protection of the public and the making of reparation by offenders to persons affected by their offences. Achieving all of these purposes is certainly no mean feat. Another guide for the courts are the Sentencing Council's guidelines on sentencing available for both the magistrates' courts and the Crown Court. Factors that the courts should take into account are the seriousness of the offence. For example, the more serious the crime, the more serious the sentence. They also take into account the circumstances of the offence and the offender. This includes the level of culpability... Any previous convictions, the age of the offender, and personal circumstances which can all affect the sentence. The court will also take into account the defendant's guilty plea. An early guilty plea can reduce a sentence by up to one third if a guilty plea is entered at the first court appearance. What do you think about this? Do you think pleading guilty should give a reduction in a sentence? Let me know your answers. Send me an email to louise at studylegalenglish.com. Finally, I'd just like to add that there is normally the right of appeal against a sentence if the defendant feels the sentencing is too harsh or the prosecutor thinks the sentence was too lenient appeals from magistrates court decisions are to the Crown Court and appeals from the Crown Court decisions are to the Court of Appeals Criminal Division. So that brings us to the end of today's episode where we've talked all about sentencing. If you're curious to find out more there are a few good videos available for free at www.sentencingcouncil.org.uk forward slash about sentencing. And these videos even have transcripts available. If you are a legal English teacher, there are also some teacher resources available on the same website, and. If you want to actually read some sentencing guidelines, those are also available on that very same site. I will, of course, provide all of the links to these websites in the podcast notes. As always, members can access extra benefits on the Study Legal English website. Just head over there to find those member benefits.